Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. Alright, that means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Alright, this week we have the, I mean, pleasure, or pain, I mean, it's all a spectrum of uh, you and I are at the same table, Max is here, he's not in uh, coastal environs, Uh, and Kevin has also joined us on this this lovely Sunday early afternoon at at this point. Um, We are... We are well, we well soccered. We all watched a little Premier League um, as we researched for this uh, episode this week. We actually all read. We're pro reading here. We're pro reading here. We all read from the same physical paper. Hey, I'm going when I go back to Charlottesville this afternoon. I'm going to find one on my doorstep, yeah. and I'm probably going to take some time to read it. Uh, it's it's appropriate that we're we're recording this on a Sunday. Oh. oh. You know what's really good for podcasts is big awkward fucking silences. Hey, you can well, no, that, no. Right? I why, why is it a Sunday? Why? Is that that's when the paper comes out? We are talking about a column by Pete Wells, oh. the New York Times food critic. Uh, yeah. Question: Restaurant was I, critic. Rather. Was I supposed to know that Pete Wells was a person who existed before I read this article? No, because you're not as much of a douche as some of the others at the table here. Oh, okay, like a, anyone wearing a hoodie, I would assume. Yeah, um, the well, so so I I've also read a New Yorker profile of him, which was which was a, which was a, which was a very good one. I'll, I'll re- as happens every week on this podcast, I suggest you read the New Yorker profile of the person that came up in this episode. As Pierce has just outed himself for, he's the only one at the table wearing a hoodie. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so we we all read this article. Um, I read it and I I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I... I did not. And that's, that's fine. Um, as, as goes with columns, people read them, and people don't necessarily agree. Um, and some people really are, are with it, and, and some people are not. See most New York Times columns. Uh, the, Fair enough. The, <clears throat> but this, this one, I guess to succinctly explain it, Pete Wells is bothered that a lot of... He is, he is observing, and if anyone is able to observe this, it's him. A lot of restaurants in, in New York City, obviously, uh, are only serving, like, one dessert, and they all seem to be serving a, a take on the thing we'd call an ice cream sundae. Thus my <laughs> o- overworked sundae. Oh! They're spelled differently. Yeah, completely different, different words. What's, what's the term? Are they homonyms? Yes. I forget, yeah, I forget which ones are homophones. Or homophones. I, I forget which ones are which. I don't know. So, uh, would you say, Max, that that is that is the correct way to describe what it is? That that's what his his basis for the article is: is that he observes that all all these restaurants have one dessert item, and they're all basically the same. Yeah, it's that's essentially what he's getting at. I, I think he's bothered that there's not more options, or that the options aren't more creative. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like a lot of the fancy upscale restaurants he's eating at only have ice cream sundaes, and it seems like he eats out a lot. I, as, I also hadn't heard of this guy, and it seems like he gets dessert every time, which well, stood out a, to me, and I think we'll get into that. Critic. I'm, not, I'm not surprised by that. It seems like that's 
part of the part of the job is to sample, you know, sort of all of the offerings. It's not like every single thing on the menu, but like every phase of the game, if you will. And I don't think these. I mean, it's all relative because of New York. I, I think we have a good spectrum here. You know, Max, you you actually worked in a restaurant for a while. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm the hooded douche person. Uh, so I've I've been to I've been to some fancy restaurants. Uh, I think we've all enjoyed good food. Kevin, you're more like what is you're like what is this world? This is probably ridiculous. Give me the ice cream, damn it. That's fine. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that place we went to last night, though. Uh, what was it? Uh, wait. Oh, 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 Taco Bell. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, <laughs> the great. Uh, that's good, good Mexican food. So yeah, I, I mean, a, like cinnamon twists. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're not really churros. They're just cinnamon twists. Uh, yeah, they're I, like that's what I them. they're cinnamon chicharrones, basically. <laughs> um, and I, am, I'm sort of of the opinion that like, no one is hurt by the ice cream, and so my, like my initial reaction was that Pete Wells should probably stop being a crabby old bitch. But I, I get like I understand, I, I understand why. He's you doing you, you told Pete Wells get another job, man. I, I mean, so these places don't even have to be expensive. They can they can be where I mean he he talks about going to neighborhood and he mentions there are all the different options, different price ranges. Yeah, I, I think what he's saying is like I went to your pla- I went to your Thai restaurant. I went to your you know French fusion restaurant. I went to your barbecue restaurant, and I was really impressed going along with your maybe your drinks, your serving, all these other things. I am viewing this restaurant as a whole as a restaurant critic. And then you, you kind of let me down with the dessert. And maybe not everyone's getting dessert. So this is what you and I... You and I talked about this at length this morning before Max and Kevin came over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think one of my biggest frustrations with this column is that he asks the question... People ask the question, like, why is this the case? And... A lot of the answer seems to be rooted in the economics of running a restaurant, the cost of labor, and so restaurants are, you know, are are saying we can't really make this work if we are treating every phase of the game to continue my my analogy with the same level of investedness care thoughtfulness yes. creativity or in the case of appetizers obfuscation what are you really sure. eating you're you're eating an egg wrapped in puff pastry which costs 50 cents but we we've made it in such a way that you're like oh this is this is pretty good and what right. what is this what is this secret dressing i'm having and it's it's ketchup it's and mayo yeah right. it's it's probably you, you, you get the dressing on yourself too like yeah oh yeah you side. think you're involved yeah. which is and essentially- probably without just like smearing it on the plate yeah. like a lunatic but anyway the the point that i was making is that if you reach this point where you're running a restaurant and you say i have to deprioritize something mm mm-hmm. I would argue that it has to be dessert. It, it just it has to be because if you if if we simplify things down and we say there's the pre entree, there's the entree, the main sort of the main gist of what you're going to a restaurant for, and then there's dessert. Yeah. Basically, everyone who steps foot in your restaurant is having an entree. 
you get some people that are like, I want an appetizer as my entree because I'm not that hungry and I don't understand that the bacon-wrapped oysters actually have 7,000 calories. But that's what I want for my dinner. But by and large, everyone's getting an entree. You might, I would say, you have more people who are getting pre-entrees than desserts, probably, and I would, I would hypothesize that it's by a fairly wide margin. Yeah. Because you have other options for dessert. You can go to an ice cream store. You might have something at home. You might have ice cream from a grocery store. Yeah. You might have cookies. You might have leftover birthday cake because it was your sister's birthday last week. But you're not like you're not gonna have an appetizer before you go to the restaurant. I that was an interesting look. <laughs> I, or is that something that you do? I think that you could go to a different restaurant for an appetizer before going to another restaurant for for dinner. All right, okay, maybe no, not at right. home, and it's certainly not as common. So, I see what you're saying. I could see it, like going and getting oysters and then going out to dinner at a different place. Believe like my so my frustration, if I can finish the thought that I was starting and I was kind of rambling about, is that I was much more interested in the idea of this being a look at why at the why, at the the labor economics of running a restaurant and how that is affecting restaurants. And it struck me as instead he gave it you know, he gave it a mention and went back to being crabby about ice cream sundaes. So you mentioned wanting to, to read about the economics. I'm interested in the economics. I think Max would be interested in the economics. Kevin, we could convince you because I said the thing I can probably sell you on is, okay, you know that you can get ice cream from Baskin Robbins and it's wonderful and it's tasty and it's like three bucks. What if I told you that you were paying a premium for it and you were like, oh, I, I mean, I... I set aside this for the whole month, and I came here, and it was the food was great. Well, I mean, be careful how I say that. The appetizer was great, the drinks were great, the service was great, the entree was great, and then I paid a premium for this the des- dessert that that let me down. So I'm saying the economics things, but that's not going to be in the column because I don't know if you're familiar with the way Americans are not building wealth, wealth, wealth at the moment. Apparently, apparently we are challenged. Fair enough, but. W- I mean, when we were talking about this before, you made a point about the majority of people are not reading, like, Pete Wells in the New York Times food section for that. I mean, the huge majority of people are not reading Pete Wells in the New York Times food section at all for any reason. No. And I would argue that the people who are reading it are much more likely than average to be like us and be interested in the structure of the restaurant world mm. but I, you you made a point just now about being careful with how you phrased something yes and this gets to the big question that you asked me so why yes. don't why don't we why don't we go there so the the big question from this we can we can quibble about should you have more than one should you have more than one dessert or not uh is a sunday a decent dessert uh is creativity even worth it but the real question is do you, do you, when you go to a restaurant or anywhere, do you think of food and dessert as different things? I do. If the dessert is bad. I, speaking of having your cake and eating it too. So as, as we were discussing this before, 
We were talking your sister's about, cake. We were talking about the things that would leave a mark on us as we consider like our impression of a restaurant. And I I made what I think was a, a telling sort of unintentional choice of words when I said, if the food is good but the dessert is bad, that's not going to really impact how I feel about a restaurant. And and that's what I think. I mean, I think that because of the other options that are available to me, because, frankly, I just think that, you know, as a dessert-producing world, we pretty much got it perfect with, like, Bluebell and Baskin-Robbins ice cream already. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I sort of exist in a place where a, a, good, a good dessert can elevate a restaurant experience for me in a way that a subpar dessert or an uncreative dessert can't take away from it. And I think I might be the only person at the table that feels that way. No, I would agree with you. So if My it's, brother. If, if it's good, you're like... All right, yeah, yeah. If it's bad, you're like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I, I'm well, not viewing this as a is a place that also serves dessert. It's a it's a food. Place. Yeah, well, I mean, and I th- I think part of it's because I think generally dessert has a very high floor, low ceiling. Like I'm just if I'm getting it, it's because I want something really sweet. Um, and what well, I don't know that I agree about the low ceiling. I definitely <laughs> yeah. agree about the high floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if something does you know catch my notice and you know that means that maybe it broke through the proverbial low ceiling and that would that would make me like the restaurant more but when i i can't think of many times where i've gone to a restaurant with the intent going into it that i will get dessert like that's interesting okay i uh i think sometimes in the moment i might be like oh let me look at the menu sure but generally my times where i get dessert it's if i'm you know, with with someone, and it's not. It's like an awkward time. It's not. It's after dinner time, but you know, it's late. I'm hungry, um, but generally I'm too full after the entree, so I never mm-hmm. really want dessert, and I never think that I'm going to want dessert going into it. Yes, Max. I think that's an interesting point too, and it's it's that it goes back to why a lot of people probably don't get dessert. I think most people like dessert. But it's, it's when the decision takes place. I think there's a reason the server comes up and says, would you sure. like to see a dessert menu after you eat? Mm. They don't do that at the beginning. They don't say, would you like to see the appetizer menu? Right. Right. Ask, yeah, they know you want to see they'll that. They'll ask if you want to see the wine list, though. True, but that's for probably different reasons. Because alcohol is different and addictive and damaging to your health, unlike sugar. Never mind. <laughs> that's right. But they also know, you know, like a lot of restaurants will do for certain special occasions, like... Uh, especially for like for Valentine's Day, we'll do like fixed price menus where you go and dessert is not only do they ask you at the top, like it's part of the thing, and you go and you have to get a dessert, like it's part of the thing. So, I, I mean, I, and that's how I think of it. Like I think most of the times that I get dessert in a restaurant is actually not, um, not like a, a sort of spur of the moment thing. It, it's really. It's planned. It's for a special occasion. Yeah. Like, you're going... Like, we're blowing this shit out tonight. Like, uh, my my grandmother uh, celebrated a birthday in the fall. Um, and I, I wouldn't say what birthday it was, because that wouldn't be proper. But it was a milestone birthday. Like, it was a big deal. And we had... Uh, we waited a couple weeks. It was right before Thanksgiving. And we waited until the family was 
converging on New Orleans. And before everyone scattered back to the places that they live, we went and had a really nice dinner. And there was never any chance that we weren't getting dessert while we were there. So, like, I, so for me, it's the opposite. It's only when it's considered and sort of thought out in advance. Otherwise, I'm like, fuck the dessert menu. I'm going home. I have ice cream. I guess I am, I know that I am more setting myself in. I'm, I'm not going to Taco Bell. I'm not even going to, to, you know, local places we like here, like Westover, for instance. I'm thinking of this as this is, this is a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, even just the word, it is a restaurant. And it is a place that people are interested in going. Maybe I had to make a reservation. Maybe I waited 45 minutes and did the the thing that is so underrated, which is waiting at the bar and getting a sense of what they offer. So I am taking the uh, – and we've talked about this with books before. I'm going into the author's world and take me through it. And so I want to – I, I kind of want to be like if you know I don't want to be Pete Wells necessarily because that seems like a lot of work and a lot of eating. But I do kind of want to take that mindset of I want to know everything you have to offer, and if you offer dessert, I am going to engage with your dessert. If you have a server come to my table, I am going to engage with the server. I I'm going there for the full experience. I want to be immersed. So I if they offer dessert, I am going to try your dessert and I'm going to try to look at it with the same lens and, and the weights as everything else. I, I kind of think that's only fair, um, as a, as a, just as an observer that said, I'm someone who does not love dessert. But one thing I do at restaurants is a lot of times, especially after these bigger, like maybe, maybe, you know, once in a while meals, I Uh I think that's the thing. I, I would go to these places once in a while. Sure. Um, I might want an espresso after dinner. Yep. Um, or maybe they offer a cheese course, which is another underrated thing. I know what shitty espresso is. I know what not good cheese is. So if it's not good, I want to be like, you can step your game up. When they have crappy coffee, and I feel like I can tell if it's crappy coffee, and it's like $5 for a cup, I'm going to look down upon them because... That was something they offered to me, and I wanted to take in the full experience. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why I feel differently about ice cream than I would about espresso. Because ice cream is perfect, and it's hard to mess up, or you shouldn't mess it up. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it, I think you're right. I think it is, you know, it goes back to what Kevin said about dessert having a really high floor, and like mediocre ice cream is ice cream. It's still See, awesome. Yeah, that's the thing. You said, you said, I don't know why I feel differently. I think you'd feel differently if you were actually served bad ice cream. I just don't know if I've ever had that. Well, I some served you a bowl of ice cream and you were like, this is terrible. You, you, then you'd remember that. Well, I think, if, All right, good I, I think if I got ice cream when I ordered dessert at a restaurant, like I understand that I am, I am ordering ice cream. Whereas mm-hmm. if I order espresso or, or cheese or something, then I, there's a lot more variance of my expectations. Mm. Whereas with ice cream, I don't get that. I'm glad you said that. And that that brings me back to another thing that I think is a difference between me and noted crabby old bitch Pete Wells. I think that part of what's going on here is that if I'm ordering a dessert in a restaurant, I am spending exactly no time Literally none at all pondering the opportunity cost 
it by wondering what other desserts could have possibly been available to me. It seems like Pete Wells spends 200% of his dessert eating time thinking about that. Uh, well, don't... Uh, I'm going to ask Max this question because I, I think he's going to give the best answer. Max, when you go to a restaurant and there are, let's say there's six entrees available, how much, how much stress are you under in trying to decide, like, I want this one, but this one also looks good? Does, would you say that stresses you out tremendously? Uh, or more than tremendously. Yeah. Yeah, in between those two. <laughs> what about so, what about when they bring the tray out that has all the desserts like for show? Uh yeah. So so That's there's less stressful cuz I can cho- I can choose my picture easily. So <laughs> what I'm saying what I'm saying what I'm saying here is that like you would do that with entrees. Um right. Oh, here's Pete but Wells I, now. But That's I wouldn't the but I wouldn't coming. do that. I wouldn't say not only do I have to choose between these six entrees, but I have to make sure yeah. that I'm choosing something that's better than every other thing yeah. at six other restaurants. I'm not mm-hmm. doing that. That's what he's doing. He's saying, well, I'm at, I, I don't know, I'm at DB, I'm at a Daniel Ballou restaurant, and they're serving a Sunday. but like if I was at Nobu, there would be some sort of wild Japanese dessert. So that has to factor into how I feel about the dessert at DB. That's, that's batshit. You can only choose. Yeah. You can only choose from among the things that are available to you sure. when you're making the choice. I, I think he. I think in this, it, it, that is that is a lens to look at it. I look at it more in the sense is that he is he is saying this is as someone who observes a lot of restaurants. This is a situation I've noticed. I'm giving you the whole landscape and letting you know both that there That's are places funny. that just let you put your own sauce and make your own Sunday. Like <clears throat> I would happily do still, but usually in my own uh, abode. Uh, or there are places that are doing well. I think you mentioned that was one that was very like Thai inspired, consistent with the restaurant. I, I might have that wrong, but um, <clears throat> he's he's saying this is the landscape, so don't be surprised. But there are good instances, and there are instances where it's been more of of a challenge. Yeah. So I was just thinking of you have that. Uh, what is it? I feel like there's a there's a word. Uh, it's not crisis of choice, but it's something like that. There's a term I've heard before that's about. I, I... Choice paralysis. Yeah, choice paralysis. There's a choice paralysis when you're looking between entrees, and you don't even you don't even have. I I what one piece of advice I would I would give you when when looking for an important person in your life is is find the person get a person in your life that always order has the same first two picks for entrees that you do. <laughs> that is that is I'm in trouble. <laughs> um. So so yeah. I, I mean I think that. That choice paralysis is something that happens with entrees, and we're like okay with that. It's like, oh, there's so many great choices. I think, uh-huh. and this is there's not even the choice paralysis. And that's because in again, going back to the the distribution of what percentage of restaurant patrons are partaking in yeah. each phase of the restaurant experience, yeah. you're going for the entree. It makes sense that you would. It doesn't make sense that you would agonize over your choice. It's not a thing that should inspire agony. But it makes sense that it would be something that you would be... You, you want to make the right choice, or, or a choice that you'll be happy with. Mm. Like, I get that. Um, I, I just... I don't know. Max, you were going to say? Yeah. It reminds me of like the like a fixed-price menu, or like a tasting menu of sorts. Yeah. Where there is no choice to be made. Yeah. Um, but I know when I've participated in things like that, um, that's when I would expect the dessert to be at the same caliber as all the food. 
Yeah, and I think it's part of the entire thing. Yes, but when it's not like that, I, I do think of the dessert as sort of separate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's fair or not, but well, and I, uh, I think, usually when you, I, I just think when you hear about a restaurant, people aren't like, "Oh, you have to go there and try this dessert." If someone says that, if that's why I'm going to a restaurant, then yeah, that's my expectation. But in general, I feel like that's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Even if I've read about a review or anything like that, people just don't tend to focus on it. And so, if there's not that much focus on it, then that's not really what I'm what I'm thinking about for the menu. Although I do, th- I I don't like when menus are too big. I think that takes away from restaurants. He's never been to a cheesecake factory. You're the fact that it has factory in the name tells me it's too big. Well, and what I was just thinking is that if if most people kind of have the same view, then I don't know if it's on. Pete Wells to think about dessert when he's reviewing a restaurant if the people he's writing to don't think about dessert. I think the people he's I think the people he's writing to want to know when he's reviewing a restaurant, they want to give me everything. And he goes a number of times. I yeah, I think the I think the I think the real thing here is that the Pete Wells's readership is a very narrow slice of the restaurant going population of New York. So the the overwhelming majority of people, like I said earlier, are not reading him at all. So it's they're I think they're more likely to be the folks that don't care and want to know everything. Yeah, or the people who are reading. Exactly, the people who are reading are more likely to be the people who are curious about everything all the way through. I think Max, you bring up a point that about the price fix menus versus a place where you you select an appetizer, you select an entree, you might select a dessert. I I tend to view them the same. Like if it's available, it's if I'm going to a nice place, I should probably have a couple different things. You know, I should explore as much as I can, as much as my stomach and wallet allow. Um so I I more tend to that doesn't matter, but Certainly, with the price fix menu, where you you get a showcase of everything, and I think more to the greater point is you can tell even if even if you're not necessarily into I don't know Eastern European cuisine, I think most people can tell if something was was done carefully and thoughtfully. And ultimately, that's what I get to is if I go to a restaurant and they serve it, and I see a drop off in the the thoughtfulness of what they do, or the obfuscation of the of the appetizers. Um, if they don't obfuscate as much for or not as well for the dessert, I'm going to react to that. I can't not unless I don't have it. But well, okay, so that's a good point. Are you are you saying that you think that if a restaurant is not going to go pedal to the metal on making their desserts creative and thoughtful, you, that you don't want them to have dessert? I I think that. I think that as a restaurant, you want people to celebrate the things that you are good at. And what I said, it just never occurred to me before when we were talking about this before, I think you open a restaurant because you think you can do something better than anyone else. Like, even if it's our our yucca fries are better, make sure people are celebrating that and not detracting from you because you feel obligated to have a dessert. So I would say, like, let me go go to Baskin-Robbins. Let me go home. Don't feel pressured to make a dessert. Yeah, but you can have the that, choice, right? Like, that doesn't mean I think that doesn't mean the restaurant shouldn't offer it. I'm I'm all for look, like I said, I'm all for skipping the dessert offering. Mm-hmm. I don't think people are opening these upscale restaurants because the thing they think they can do better than everyone else 
is dessert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they're, they... I and think if they, they are, they should be opening a dessert place and not a restaurant. Yeah. So, would, Sean, would you be bothered if a restaurant didn't have a dessert menu? I don't... Th- I don't know. I don't really think I would be, just because I'm not in the mode of thinking, let me make sure that dessert... Like, if I were going to a, you know, to a restaurant for a special occasion... I mean, I think I would probably look to see if they had a dessert menu. Um, but I also, like, I don't think it would be a huge stumbling block for me. I think even yeah. if I knew going in that this was a place that didn't offer dessert, I think I would say, well, do I have the ability to go get, you know, go get ice cream, you Next know, at door. a Baskin Robbins or, or something like that? Or, you know, if it's, you know, if it's like a, a special occasion with a, you know... A companion of some kind. Can I have, can I have ice cream and a bottle of wine prepared at home for after? You know, I, I think that I would not have a problem with restaurants not offering dessert, but I also don't think I should be the judge of that. I think there are probably people out there who would have a problem with restaurants offering or not offering dessert, and so I. I think you should err on the side of having options for people. Okay, interesting. I, I, I think there is an opportunity for when we think about like a restaurant as a whole, we tend to focus in on the negatives, perhaps. Yeah. I feel like if I went to a restaurant and the service was fantastic and the food was all delicious, but like everything was dirty... Yeah. I feel like I'd notice that and have a problem with it. Well, people say all the time, like, oh, the food was good, but the service is or, bad. Or if just, yeah, if the food is fantastic and the environment's great, but the service is really bad, like, that's going to take away from my experience. Mm-hmm. And I think if a restaurant at the caliber that this gentleman is writing about wants to be at that caliber, they need to they need to keep everything at that level. So I, I get the argument for <clears throat> not being, not serving a good dessert, but then I also just think, like, based on the, 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 the economics of it and the fact that he's really ripping on them for not being as creative in their desserts. He's not even saying they're bad. He's saying they're they're boring and not creative. And it's like, at that point, I mean, we've discussed why people have different expectations for dessert, and I feel like it's it's a, it's an opinion that's not as important. So I, I think that there's, there's a bit of a... And I'll ask you this question, Kevin. Um, so... So if a place doesn't have a dessert menu, I might be like, okay, that's weird, but maybe it doesn't bother me. In part because the reason it's weird or is because most, oh, well, every everywhere is doing a dessert menu. You'd be taken off guard. Yeah, you'd be taken off guard. I know, for instance, a thing that is happening now and has become normal is if a place doesn't have gluten-free options, is at this point, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird, but I... And it doesn't bother me. I, I don't think that they should cater to it if they don't want to. They're probably losing out on a lot of business, especially depending on what area they're in. Um, You'd actually almost lose out on more business with that than you would with not not having dessert, honestly. Well, one of one of those has the potential to like affect you know someone with a legitimate medical condition. Yeah, it's not not having dessert. Yeah, yeah. Our only dessert is a heavy gluten cake yeah. with but gluten frosting. We, uh, we really just give you a bowl of gluten. <laughs> well, well, but uh, in kind of a 
different direction. So saying like you don't think that a place should have a dessert if it's just some half-assed option. Would you also then say that if a place has beers on tap, they have like your, I mean, at this point we're not talking about nice restaurants, but like they have like your domestic drafts, but then they have like one dogfish head, sixty minute. Uh, you know, like, I so I went. To, I, I still appreciate the I fact went that there's to, a sixty minute if I need an IPA. So I went to I went to uh, I think it's Blue Duck Tavern. Is that the place in DC? Uh, that's the wrong. I thought you know. <laughs> right. So I I went there and um, I for what, for what we were having and everything. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't really want to get wine at that time. I wasn't feeling good, so I got a beer. And they were very cer- ceremonious and uh, about it, and they didn't even have any beer on draft. And it was like an eight, you know, actually it was more than eight dollars, and it was it was a Hardywood Pills, great beer. Don't get me wrong, but but like you got jacked around on a Hardywood Pills, exactly. Like part of me Ooh. is like is like focus on your cocktails and your wine. Just don't like you don't have to like make a, an effort that was kind of a weird effort with the beer. So yeah, I, I think that I'm not. Well, yeah, but a, they, they made approximately, you know, six more dollars than yeah, they, they, they did. didn't do that option. Yeah, because they, you know, as a dunce, as a dunce. I, I, but that gets into ultimately, I think, is, um, and, and I guess where I can leave it, as with any case, you know, what can you not do in economics? You can't account for taste, I'm told. And and you know what? If you like a Sunday and it makes you happy, which Sundays seem to make just about everybody happy, that's fine. But I, if I go to your restaurant, and you have been phenomenal the whole way, and you, you scoop out some brioche ice cream, and be like, I'm happy with this. I am not happy with, going back to economics, the $20 I paid for it, when everything else was like, oh, wow, I can't, I got this artistic thing for 25 you know, this entree. And then and then you did this, man. Yeah, that's fine. I, and I, I've been very hard on Crabby Old Bitch Pete Wells, uh, uh, during this discussion, and I realize he is not the only crabby old bitch restaurant critic in the U.S. or the world. Pete, it's really not just you. It's mostly you, but it's not just you. So, if you ever open a restaurant, or or if you have any family members that have restaurants, Pete Wells will find them now and shut them down. That's fine. He, but that's why he wrote the column so that you'd respond. Like right. Exactly. He he was thinking about me, a person he's never met. Um, I mean, whatever. Guy Fieri's still kicking, so I like sort of. I like our chances. Um, our, sort of. Uh, if you've got thoughts about dessert in restaurants, should restaurants offer them? Should they be good? Should they be creative? Uh, come find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod and let us know what you think. All right, it is time, as always. For a little segment we call Pierce is Sorry. And what are you apologizing for this week, our hoodied friend? Oh, I'd say that this one is a is a is a straight up apology and um it's definitely my fault. Is that a first? No, no, it's, it's not. It's not. Uh so I I don't know, probably a month or so ago now, I, I noticed I noticed a problem and I tried to address it. And I had known it had been a problem for much longer than that. And um you all, I, I think, together this weekend, we, we've been able to interact with a solution to this problem, which is that my oven was running too goddamn hot for basically the whole time I lived here. And I was making subpar goods in that oven, given now my bread is way better knowing that I know that my oven was 
over 500 degrees when I thought it was like 450. So um, I, I apologize for not tending to a problem earlier on um, and then sharing things with people that, that everyone you know munched happily or, or faux happily and said, this is fine. But really, I served a crappy Sunday when I could have been having really a wonderful cheese course instead. That level of... of mm-hmm. Actually, the level of like thought and care was the same. I just didn't, you know, respond to to the temperature of my oven. I think we all appreciate that. I I'm, I think the real apology here is supposed to be coming from your property management company who withheld that this, you know, this thing is a thing that happens oh, they and didn't it is in f- fact dangerous. Oh, they didn't they didn't fix it. They closed the maintenance no. ticket. <laughs> I didn't I didn't say they fixed oh, it. I, I, just I said they, say withheld they didn't. Held the, they they're withholding information from you because you didn't get you didn't get that answer from your management company. No, I didn't, as I recall. Yeah, and what I had to do was I had to purchase an in oven thermometer, and so now I know that whoa, that is way off, and there's no insulation in this thing, so everything is melting. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I learned now, and now I will you know make and bake better things. I roasted a chicken this week, and it was, I mean. Uh, the chicken was about the same as before because there are ways you can test that, but I don't really know what's going on with the bread because that's a lot of science. I mean, I will say the bread that you have made and given to us this weekend has been really good. So I think that I think that maybe this has had more of an impact than than any of us could have expected. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, well, something to fall back on now when you know times are tough. And... Yes, you can always get out that sourdough starter. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of douchey hooded people, uh, <laughs> uh, wearing hoodies, I should say. Uh, so I think it's time for for a big idea, though. Yeah. Um, so we're here with a fan of heavy metal music, if I if I recall correctly. Is that that true, Kevin? Uh, yeah, that'd be true. Yeah. All right. So last night. While we were at the Mustang Sally Brewing Company, being serenaded by Not heavy the metal. exact opposite of heavy metal, um, Champion Brewery, back home in Charlottesville for me, uh, was hosting their fourth annual metal showcase, and they uh, they they put out some sort of announcement um, that that included the. Uh, the genres of the bands that were performing. I assume. At this event. I assume they did that so that people who were like, "I'm not familiar with that band, but I like that subgenre of metal," could would be like, "Oh yeah, I really like X or Y or Z, so I'll go." Yeah, right. I mean, because you know, I've, I've had to defend this my whole life, unfortunately. But there are many subgenres, and I hate about. 80% of them. <laughs> I, I'm really... Now I'm really concerned about eight-year-old Kevin being like, no, no, that, that, uh, what is it? Death metal is actually really awesome. You've just been listening to the wrong artists. And there's a difference between... if There's a difference between death metal and doom metal. And black metal. Sure. Oh, yes, absolutely. Sure. So, I, I, these are some of the genres that were on display. We had some, what I think are more normal ones. Black metal... Grindcore, that's a thing. That's yeah, everyone a, knows Cannibal Corpse. Not a, not a dating app. That is a style of heavy metal music. The sirens are coming for you. <laughs> yeah. But they also had 
uh, mutant hardcore, which I'm not really sure what that is. And that was a new one for me. I never heard the mutant part of the subgenre. This is before. this is this is like English football team names, which is no, these are real words. Speaking of uh, breaking news here on the podcast, uh, the Premier League has now officially been won by Manchester City because Manchester United lost at home to uh, noted dog shit team West Brom. They were having a very tough season. Um, so that's a thing that happened. Yeah, speaking um, of. Anyway, on with the, the genres, because I'm not done. They yeah, also yeah, know that. Nutscore metal, <laughs> which, is that something? I, that seems like it should oh, be a, a pecan yeah. brown ale. And I've I've been out of the game for a couple of years, so my... It's, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mostly listen to the, the classics that I listened to in my angry teenage years, so I haven't explored the newer genres, so maybe that's do, one of them. Do any of Metallica's albums fall under Nutscore? That, that that would sound pretty fun, actually, but uh, no, they do not. <laughs> and then my personal favorite, um, Park Villa's Power Violence. Yeah. I want to note, for all of you listening who, who can't look at the same Instagram post that I'm looking at, uh, power violence is one word, mm-hmm. um, and as I learned last night, as I was doing a little internet research, uh, that's not a made-up genre of music. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it gets the specificity of Park Villas, but power violence is apparently a real thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, just, I would I'm, not Google that. I don't suggest <laughs> that. We can't. No. Incognito mode, please. Uh, just for your safety, everyone. Uh, yeah, they missed out on some cla- <laughs> classics there. So there's, there's like there's Viking metal, Ooh. which is both lyrical and also just kind of atmospheric. For there's you Tolkien fans out there. There's um, there's crabcore, which is no, there's not. No, there there is, which is. But the only reason it's crabcore is because the the guitarist basically gets in like a scuttling crab position as he plays his bass guitar. So, so what you're saying is there's crabcore. Really, that, that, that's a band. That's not a genre of music. Wait, no, are there multiple? That's my question. I, there might only be one. I don't okay. know. But I'd say pe- people find different ways to name their genres. I assume they're from Baltimore. And there also uh, is uh, Parrotcore, yes. which is this band that uh, you know employs a. Uh, a parrot to be the lead singer of their screaming. Well, is it employed or is band. this? Or, or did they? Or is it? Slowly, are they not paying? It's probably like. Well, they yeah. probably feed him, but I don't it's know, gotta probably, be yeah, maybe. I mean, he's. Some sort, I mean, if right? it's metal, it's there's yeah. some misery in that. I mean, so it's a, it's a crazy world out there, and I'm sad that a lot of people miss out on it. Are there are there any subgenres that you would you would recommend to people who want to start delving into the me- metal world? I mean, it depends on what they like. If they don't like screaming, which I usually don't, then you want to listen to stuff like progressive metal, which is basically just a heavier, louder version of Pink Floyd. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I just like... I like that that's happening. I think I think it's a cool thing. I can't that's imagine cool. it in downtown Charlottesville. It seems really like a really odd match uh, for... Uh, for outside at a, a brewery that is nestled right on the edge between like a, the main sort of commercial area, like the downtown mall, and then residential neighborhoods, um, because I heard what I assume was maybe like a sound check for another sort of like a punk show they were having, and it was loud as fuck. 
it was aggressively loud. Uh, like, I could hear it from inside other buildings. And I just, I'm, I'm fascinated. It, it wasn't really a thing that I wanted to take part in. But I'm I'm still fascinated that it was a thing that happened. I, I mean, I'm just saying that you know there, you know there's there are opportunities out there, and it sounds like you know maybe we should give an opportunity. I would also say maybe Lindsey Buckingham should give an opportunity since he's looking for a job. Oh, maybe he can get into power violence now. I think he's doing paracore actually. <laughs> All right, on that note, <laughs> that is definitely the end of the show. Thank you to Kevin for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the education. Yes, much appreciated. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at PrettyOKPod, or drop us a line at itsprettyokay at gmail.com if you want to let us know what you think. You can get this in every episode of our podcast at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. Also got some new writing up. Ian uh, wrote about a song, Surprise, Surprise, It's Electronic Pop from Australia, Um uh, I put some links up uh, of some things that other people wrote that I think are are good and sh- good and interesting and worth your time, um, and we're we're doing more of that stuff all the time. So, yeah. uh, if that's something you're into, www.prettyokpod.com. If that's not your jam and you just want to listen to the podcast, we have a great thing for you too. You can subscribe to a feed. You never miss an episode. They just come straight to your device of choice. Yeah. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts and really most other places that you might get that sweet, sweet audio content. Yeah, it's like dessert, but for your ears. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, so, if you do that, if that's if that's more your speed, please do us a favor. Leave us like a rating, review, comment, something like that. Or just if you have somebody in your life that you think might enjoy what we do, um, tell them about the show. Mm-hmm. We will be back again next week as always to talk about something else. Till then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. Stop.